how slow we are to believe. Last week, the Apostle Thomas said he would believe if he could see the Lord, but we find out in today's Gospel that even meeting the risen Lord isn't enough to believe. Uh, We have two disciples meeting him and not being able to recognize him, walking several miles into town and dining together. What is it, though, that our Lord says that they are slow of heart to believe? When we talk about faith today, we often talk about uh, faith in the resurrection, faith in Jesus Christ, and so on. What the Lord says that the disciples are not believing is this. Uh, He says, how slow of heart you are to believe all that the prophets spoke. St. Peter also appeals to prophecy in the first reading when he's preaching to the crowd. And this appeal to prophecy as a proof of the resurrection, uh, in my experience, can be profoundly unsettling for many of us. Prophecy does not appeal to our usual way of reasoning about things. It doesn't depend on research or anything like that. Prophecy takes place within a community and a tradition. And so having to rely on prophecy as an invitation for us to enter into a certain type of communion with certain specific types of persons. And so uh, when Pope St. John Paul II wrote that we Christians are spiritual Semites, uh, he makes a similar point with his usual piquancy, you know. Uh, We are connected through the resurrection, through our faith in Christ to a whole tradition, a whole history, a whole people. Uh, And it's only through entering into this community that we can fully understand what the resurrection is, who Christ is. So belief in the resurrection is also of a piece with belief that the Holy Spirit has spoken through these prophets, as we say in the Creed, and that what we call the Old Testament is of permanent value for us. It's really necessary that we listen carefully to the prophecies. The other reason I think we can find this profoundly unsettling is that the proper understanding of the Old Testament requires us to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, And again, today there are lots of people who will just open whatever book of the Old Testament they'd like and and start reading it literally in some way or other and uh, be confounded by it in some way. So we really need this enlightenment. We need interpretation. We need a teacher. Just as Clopas and the other disciple needed Christ to interpret Moses and the prophets to them. Their hearts burned within them when Christ opened the scriptures to them. And what this means is that before that, the scriptures were closed to them. They knew the scriptures. They had read them. They had listened to them in the synagogue over and over again. We can be assured of that. But their minds were not able to grasp the real meaning. Again, this required an interpreter. And this opening of the scriptures takes place when the Holy Spirit is poured forth into our minds and we receive the gift of understanding, one of the traditional gifts of the Holy Spirit. And once again, there's a nice correspondence in the first reading. St. Peter appeals to this in his speech, which takes place on Pentecost. He says, Exalted at the right hand of God, Christ received the promise of the Holy Spirit from the Father, and poured him forth, as you see and hear. So this is a beautiful evocation of the reality of the communion of the Holy Trinity at the heart of our faith. 
Right? So Christ ascends to the right hand of the Father and pours forth the Holy Spirit. This is the heart of the mystery of our faith, of what we believe. And this enlightenment with the Holy Spirit unlocks the scriptures and the meaning of history, the meaning of the world, the meaning of all of our experiences. And the, the disciples couldn't recognize Christ in their midst, but once uh, he opens the scriptures for them, once he breaks the bread with them, then they can see. They can see the reality that was hidden from them all along. And this is true for us in, in all of our experiences in daily life. If we can just receive the gift of understanding, it can unlock Christ's presence in our midst right now. And united, uh, oh, I should say, Christ's exaltation in the first reading that St. Peter is speaking about uh, includes his human nature. The human nature of Christ is exalted at God's right hand. And so we, united to Christ's humanity, our hearts and minds are lifted up. We are lifted up into this community, this communion of the Holy Trinity. And this allows us then, in this relationship with God, to peer into the hidden meanings, the understanding that God has of things. Now, in a few moments, the priest will invite you to lift up your hearts as we approach the sacred mystery of faith. And so as we continue our meditation on the Easter mysteries, we can ask ourselves some questions with this as background. To what extent are the prophecies of the Old Testament open to me? You know, do I find traditional interpretations of the Old Testament to be somewhat naive or strained? Well, yes, that was good enough for people back then, but we know better now. You know, when I hear St. Peter refer to David as a prophet, uh, when I listen to St. Matthew's Gospel with all of the indications of prophecy, it's easy to dismiss them. You know, it's very popular today among uh, Bible scholars to talk about David as sort of the, the politician, uh, not as a prophet. So how do we recover that sense of the Old Testament as prophecy? You know, how do we get beyond this idea that, well, you know, people believe that sort of thing, but today we think critically with uh, regard to facts. So, you know, we have to come up with some other way. Uh, this idea that something has changed, maybe, but I tend to think uh, that not much has changed, in fact, in human nature. The scriptures are simply closed to us in this case, right? And so we're invited to ask the Lord, open the scriptures for us, interpret them, send forth your Holy Spirit so that our minds might be renewed, that we might have this encounter with God that allows us to rethink things, to see things in the light of faith. The arc of the Easter season conveys us from the joy of the resurrection to the ascension and the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. This parallels the arc of initiation into the church that we all underwent that conveys us from baptism to confirmation. And so just as we receive a new life in baptism, we rise up out of the font, uh, we renew this covenant at Easter. And what remains for us now in this time of mystagogy, this time of exploration of the scriptures, is for this life that we've been given in baptism to receive its full activity, its activation by the Holy Spirit. And again, I would ask, how many of us make a daily prayer that the Holy Spirit will fill our hearts, that he will enkindle in us the fire of divine love? I'd like to close with one last observation regarding uh, faith and the obstacles to faith. 
And again, I don't think these obstacles are as new as we might assume. I'm thinking of a kind of lowering of our horizons. I think the, the disciples who were fleeing from Jerusalem were suffering from this. Oh, well, I guess Jesus wasn't the Messiah. We'll have to wait. I don't think they lost faith in God necessarily, but, well, okay, that was exciting, but we'll have to sort of hunker down and wait for some other opportunity. In the meantime, we'll get out of Jerusalem where it's a little dangerous. Um, I don't think it's exactly cynicism that lowers our horizon because, let's admit, I mean, if we take the trouble to go to church on Sunday, we're, not, we're probably not cynics. We're, uh, we have faith. But it's easy to lower our horizons to thinking that what faith requires of me is simply to be a good person, a nice person, cheerful, positive, etc. And these aren't bad qualities, mind you. Uh, but they're often within our reach. You know, it's... it's if things are going well, it's not too much trouble to be polite, to be kind to people, and so on. And certain temperaments and personalities find this not too difficult. Um, but what is not present here is this intimate relationship with the Holy Trinity to which Christ's ascension invites us, this, this uh, heart-to-heart encounter with God. And uh, sometimes we can be put to the test in this regard when we see that even non-believers can be quite good persons, even outstanding persons. Maybe they even put us to shame in a lot of ways in terms of virtue and so on. And if this is a source of puzzlement, perhaps uh, we've achieved a certain level of achievement uh, based not on the gift of the Holy Spirit, but just on the strength of our own natural gifts that God has given us. How would we know this? Perhaps we are limited to our natural abilities to the extent that we forget to ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit or that we forget to give thanks for our gift of faith and the gift of understanding. In St. Luke's Gospel, our Lord says, Ask and you shall receive. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So in these weeks leading us to Pentecost, Let us do this. Let us ask the Father to send the Holy Paraclete that he may remain with us forever and enlighten us in the spirit of truth. Amen.